This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your first stop for the best in Western style. And by the way, you don't have to be into the Western look to grab a good looking pair of boots. I recently got a pair of ostrich skin round tip boots, and I'm warm with my suit. These boots are so versatile that I can throw them on with a full head to toe suit. And Anthony Smith came right up to me and he's asking me where I got them. Well, I told him the only place to get them, Tacovas. And they have a seasonal limited edition offering. It's right now, this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, accessory, and more. My wife just surprised me with the ostrich wallet and a belt for my birthday, in case you've seen me. I feel like I look pretty sharp in it. I truly do, and Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style, plus their direct-to-consumer pricing keeps value on your feet and money in your pocket. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, and shop for new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it into the store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-B-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your favorite pair of boots today. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, guys, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly on to you. I haven't skipped a beat using Mint Mobile services. I have a great service even when I'm traveling for over less than 70% of what I was paying before. Listen to Uncle Chael and say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash chale. That's mintmobile.com slash chale. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash chale. $45 upfront payment required. That's equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. What's happening, guys? Happy Friday. 
and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. At the end of the show today, I'm going to tell you who I'm putting my money on in the Ben Askren-Jake Paul fight. Before that, I'm going to talk about the lightweights with some news on Tony Ferguson, my thoughts on the next Poirier-Conor McGregor fight, and I'll also talk to you about Khabib's future. But first, I need to focus on John Jones and Israel Adesanya. Guys, I was talking to you the other day. I was talking about John Jones putting on, getting up to 240 pounds, putting on about 20 pounds of, of lean muscle and doing it in six months. And I was telling you from a common physiology standpoint, that's not possible. Not possible. A juice freak online challenged that and said, no, 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 that's, that's a very realistic number. I challenged the juice freak by saying, yeah, I always hear you guys saying that it's a common number. First off, I'm not talking about with steroids. And second off, you don't know anybody that did it. But everybody online that's got a book to sell or a tip or is the next best thing will always make a claim more ridiculous than the guy who came before him. And it works every single time. You will get people into your seminars. You will get people to subscribe. You'll get them to follow your cooking tips. If you can just make one ridiculous claim further than the guy that came before you. Okay, well, hold that thought because there was a guy online who thought I was talking about him, his name is Derek. The irony of all of this is I had just sent Derek a personal message on Twitter, a very beautiful message telling him what a good job I thought he did, and he does. Derek has a, if you wanna check him out on YouTube, it's called More Plates, More Dates. But he's a great looking guy, he's a chemist, he understands these things, he never comes at it judgmentally, he comes at it scientifically, it's a very different approach He's very open to new ideas. I've always liked Derek, and Derek did a cool move. Derek did a cool move, which is, there's another guy online I like, Coach Greg. And I put these guys in the top tier. I would put Derek, I would put Coach Greg, I would put Mike Dolce as number one. And I'd put these guys right underneath him in terms of understanding. And one of the reasons I really like Coach Greg isn't for the things he believes in, it's for the stuff he doesn't believe in. You'll meet these guys, don't ever drink a diet soda. By example, Coach Gray, diet soda has no calories. Drink all the diet soda you want. Never drink Crystal Light, it's artificial. Coach Gray, it has no calories. If you think that tastes good while you're being disciplined in other parts of your life, go ahead and have the Crystal Light. But Coach Gray just thinks these certain ways. Same thing with maple syrup. If you ever turn it around and read how few of calories is in it, Coach Greg will talk about that. You can get two more minutes of cardio in the gym that day. Put enough maple syrup on your damn French toast to enjoy your breakfast in the morning. It's simple stuff like this. But I like Coach Greg. So Derek had challenged Coach Greg at one point. Derek did not like some of the ideas of Coach Greg. So Derek videoed his challenge. He was going to try things Coach Greg's way. He was going to cook things from Coach Greg's cookbook. And then his plan was to come out and dispel all of Coach Greg's ideas. Well, the opposite happened, and Derek filmed it and put it out there, and it was straight. He said, you know what? This food's awesome. And you know what? I'm full. And you know what? I got in my proteins for the day. And you know what? I didn't have to count macros. It was just one of these things where Derek gained my respect because of the way he did this. I knew he was a fair guy. I bring that to you because when I called this person a steroid freak from the Internet, Derek thought I was talking about him. And he put out a piece. He played my clip. And he goes, is he talking about me? Moreover, what I wanted to discuss with you guys is I don't want to be misinterpreted 
by you thinking I'm being coy and accusing John Jones of steroids. I'm not going in that direction at all. My point, which I thought I had made, but now I realize I possibly failed at, my point in bringing up John Jones and him getting to 240 lean is that then I have to give up on my dream. My dream of Jones versus Adesanya, that was my one and only point. What I was attempting to make the point of, right? We're right on the heels of Adesanya versus Blahovich. Adesanya's gonna grab that microphone and John's not gonna have a whole lot of choices. He's going to lose public perception by backing down from a little guy who's already moved up one weight or he's gonna go fight him. It's as simple as that. Okay, I'm a fight fan. That's a big fight for me. That's a big fight. My point was, I don't believe that John has passed the barrier of not being able to return to 205 pounds. From what I am told from John's teammates, he hasn't worked out. He has not got his heart rate up or broken a sweat in a period of time. He's just lifting weights. Now, the only reason I bring that to you is that if John weighs, and John used to weigh about 225, 228 if he's lifting and not burning the calories of a practice, he could be 230, he could be 232. But 230, 232, not burning calories, retaining water, all the stuff that comes with it. John, two weeks of working out, he's back to 225. He's a 205 pounder. My point be, I'm not ready to give up on that dream yet. I will not be ready to give up on that dream until one week after Adesanya and Blahovich, provided Adesanya wins because that's what the cycle's gonna be. Adesanya calls him out and challenges him. We're gonna have an answer quickly. You saw how quick Masvidal responded to Usman, right? By example, that night before Usman got in bed, he had his answer. That's the way these things work. When it's done on ESPN, that's the way these things work. I'm not ready to give up on that dream yet. And I also don't think it's fair if we, the viewer, puts pressure on John Jones to return to 205, which he cleaned out and is now moved. We challenged him to go to heavyweight. He accepted the challenge and then we're gonna, we're gonna act like he's scared because he won't go back to a weight class that he dominated. I don't think that's fair either. If he's put on the size, but I don't think we have evidence of that. We only have a statement of that. And we have an overlaying statement that John just wants his next fight to be for the most money. We can definitely accommodate John's wishes by putting him in there with Adesanya, which is another reason I'm not ready to give up on it just yet. Let's move from these champions to perhaps the greatest champion of them all, Khabib. Daniel Cormier came out with some tremendous advice, some very, very helpful advice for Dana White as it pertains to Dana getting Khabib to come back. And Daniel Cormier said, and this Daniel's his coach, he's friend of Khabib, knows him very well, knows the business, knows what it takes as, a, as an athlete. You know, Daniel could really personalize that. And Daniel uh, Cormier said for Dana to stay after him. That was the advice. The advice is done. If you're waiting, that was the advice. Stay after him. <laughs> Daniel, that's not helpful. Do you have inside information? Have you spoke to Khabib? Do you know what it's going to take to get Khabib back? Because it doesn't appear to be money. I mean, I think we've all understood that about Khabib. At least we believe that to be true. Like, that's just not what makes him tick. Okay. Well, what commodity is he after? Is it attention? Khabib would strike. That would surprise me. 
but I can't rule it out. Maybe he just wants to be asked over and over again. Maybe, maybe Daniel's right. Hey, just stay out. Keep asking him. Keep calling him. He's enjoying, he's enjoying this. I don't know. I'm in a different place. I'm in the place of, we just got to respect his wishes, right? Everybody's going to go at some point. Nobody goes out at the right point. You have George St. Pierre, you have Lennox Lewis. Who else from combat? Who else from combat went out at the right time on their own terms, right? Khabib. And it's, a t- it's a, always a tough one to accept. We always seem to know better about somebody else's retirement than that person knows. And generally, it's not that they go too early. Hey, he's got more left. Hey, he's in his prime. Hey, he's still dominant. It's generally not that. It's generally, hey, dude, your prime and your best days are done. How do you not see it? Stop doing this, right? I mean, usually it goes that way. The reason I want us to accept Khabib's retirement, because we got to move on with that division. That's the part of it. For me, the... That's where I get it. If you hold up the boys with a dream, if you hold up the Charles Oliveras, the Michael Chandlers, the Dustin Poirier, right? I mean, it's tough. And Dana, for whatever reason, did say at one point that he would not interim championship 155 while he's dealing with Khabib. Hey, we're going to keep that belt on Khabib because I think we've got a dialogue and somewhere we're going to go or we're going to take that belt off Khabib and they'll fight for the undisputed. But somewhere along the way, Dana did make the comment that he's not going to interim it. And as I'm looking at Poirier versus Connor, you know, that fight already worked and there was no title line on the line. But it just seems as though that's the one. That's the one to get everything back on track. That's the one that be, it should be for the championship. Even if you disagree with that, that's not the hill I want to die on here. That isn't my overwhelming point. My overwhelming point is when you have the Chandlers that are coming up, when you have the Oliveras who are coming up, when you have the Justin Gaethje who's coming back, Kevin Lee coming back, but wait, 155, it's a very special weight. And it would seem as though... Because if you don't know when we're going to take the belt off Khabib, it has, it has other problems. Even if you don't want to put the belt up to Poirier Connor. Okay, but you also can't identify a number one contender's match. If we're not going to put the belt up for, for Poirier and Connor, can we identify that the winner of that is going to fight for the belt somewhere in 2021? No. No, we cannot if we're, if we're still playing this purgatory game with Khabib. And I got to tell you, when you have true competitors, it's not about the money. It's not about the fame. It's not about the eyeballs. When you have true competitors, it is about the competition. It is about trying to get as high as you can get, which in this sport is the belt, which is why it's important that we hear Khabib, understand Khabib, and accept what it is Khabib told us, in my opinion. I'm just watching some of those guys. You know, Michael Chandler went through a lot. He never gets the credit. Michael Chandler was at a different organization and did not want to leave. He took a risk. He then, in the middle of a pandemic, flies to Abu Dhabi. Now, I'm talking about, right after he signed a contract, I'm talking about him being the fill-in fighter for Gaethje and Khabib. So Chandler gets on a plane, comes right back home. Whole training camp away from his family. I realize nobody's going to cry in their beer for Chandler, but there is a level that you have to appreciate what he's gone through. 
Goes back, does it again, steps in with Dan Hooker, who can beat his ass, by the way. I mean, that's a hard night. Dan Hooker, that's a hard night out. Chandler is one of those guys that, that is really showing a sacrifice. Oliveira, I pick on Oliveira all the time. You know what Oliveira's done? Eight fights in a row, worked his way up of, of undercards, went out there against Tony Ferguson and won. I mean, come on, he show, this is a grit. These, are, these guys are competitors. They got to have something to be able to compete for. It's a motivation factor. Daniel Cormier's advice. Stay after him. Oh, thank, thank you, Daniel. Thank you very much. Going from Khabib to two guys that he's fought and beaten, Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier. Joe Rogan came out. He was talking about why he thought Conor McGregor lost to Dustin Poirier. And first off, Joe was stating the inactivity, which is exactly the conclusion that Connor himself came to within two minutes of leaving the octagon that night. And he's right. And it's not just the inactivity between that fight with Dustin and Connor's prior fight against Cowboy. It's not. It goes all the way back to Khabib because the Cowboy fight was only 40 seconds. And you get a lot out of those 40 seconds, by the way. You have a full training camp. You have travel. What's it going to be like to sleep on the road? What's it going to be like to get to the arena, do all of the stuff, decompress through the commission? But you don't get the ring time. I mean, I worry about that with other guys. I'm, I'm starting to think that that could be a real thing with Francis Ngannou. And I think that's going over everybody's head. But Francis is in a very similar spot to Conor McGregor in terms of minutes in the octagon. Because we don't have minutes with Francis. We have seconds. Are you guys realizing that? Are you realizing how fast Francis is stomping people out? Now, Francis is in a good spot. He's still training. He's still making weight. He's still going out there. He's still got the eye of the tiger. He's still dealing with the nerves. There's a lot of positives that don't equal your complete basket of ring rust. I just bring for you that Connor is not using an excuse. Neither is Joe for Connor, and neither am I for Connor. That's a real thing that we were all wondering. How long can you take off before you drop off? That's the big question. Joe was also talking about Connor and how big he was. And that pulling down to 55 was a very difficult thing. I spoke to another gentleman at the UFC who was there in Fight Island who told me that that whole fight week felt a little different observing Connor. So what do you mean? He goes, well... He came into the hotel, he had his whole family with him. Every day, he never separated from the family. He was playing with the kids and he was being seen. It was just one of these things where it didn't look like the same tension that you could cut with a knife, feeling the energy of a typical Connor fight. In addition to you know the whole town not being the Irish and the flag, it just felt different. And when the whole thing was done, Connor put out a tweet that said, no more Mr. Nice Guy. And the UFC official telling me the story thought that's what he was referring to. This whole, hey, Mr. Nice Guy, being there for everybody, giving time to everybody, doing every media interview requested, doing every photo with everybody, playing the hide-and-seek and the tag. It was just one of these things that that person who shared this information with me thought that that's what Connor was referring to within that tweet. Joe's right. And Joe doesn't get some kind of an award. He's Captain Obvious on this one. He stated the obvious. But he's right. 
And there's so many things that are obvious that are right in front of our face, but we don't see them or the athlete doesn't see them. I feel as though Connor is very aware. Joe also talked about the, the damage done by the calf kick, and that calf kick is created because Connor has the wide karate stance. He puts weight on that. Dustin uh, studied I got the whole thing. But these are also mistakes that I believe are very unlikely to happen in the rematch. And Connor looked terrible against Poirier by Connor's standards. Connor looked like a top fighter in the world to me. He looked terrible by Connor's standards. That's different. That's different. Having a bad night is different than now all of a sudden you're a bad fighter. And I got my first glimpse of it when Connor got taken down. I mean, there might as well have been a banana peel in the ring. That was not a takedown attempt. That was never meant to take Connor down. That was meant to close the distance. Nobody was more surprised Connor fell down than Dustin Poirier, let alone that Connor stayed there. Nobody was more surprised than Poirier. That was not Poirier's intent. I bring that to you because that's the other side of the coin people are forgetting. You can break down all of the problems that Connor had, and you can even come to a reasonable belief that we're not going to see those problems happen again. But if you then deduce that Connor's going to flip the script and beat Poirier, you're missing what Poirier got out of that fight. I don't think Dustin Poirier expected to have that level of success. I don't think Dustin Poirier was completely confident that he could eat that left hand the three times that he ate that left hand. Dustin was gaining confidence. Dustin was figuring that fight out. As much as I'm telling you, Connor did not look good by Connor's standards, neither did Dustin. That's a part of the story that many, many people are missing. If you're going to go bet your hard-earned money, I'm just bringing it to your attention. Poirier is going to look better the next time they fight. There's a story that every Division I wrestling coach in the country will tell his team just before the NCAA championships. It's the story of Mark Branch. Mark Branch was a freshman at Oklahoma State with a losing record of seven wins and eight losses, and he became the NCAA champion. He went in without a seed. In all fairness, he probably should not have even been there. He won the tournament without a seed. In the first round, he is the number two guy in the country. Beats him 12 to two. Wins the whole tournament. Mark Branch never entered the NCAA tournament again ever without returning to the finals. The point, you put a national championship on a guy, you're going to change his confidence. You're going to change that guy. That's what happened with Mark Branch. I share that with you because you go out there and you stomp out Conor McGregor when you're a three-to-one underdog in front of the whole world and you get named the perennial number one contender, which is exactly what happened with Dustin Poirier. You're going to put a whole nother level of confidence on him. I do think that Conor is going to make these adjustments. I do not believe that Conor is going to look as bad in the rematch as he looked in their last outing. I'm telling you, though, Dustin Poirier is also going to look better. That was not the best version of Poirier. He came in there with one new weapon that was wildly effective, which was the calf kick. Dustin is going to look different, particularly now that he knows he can absorb and deal with that left hand. It's one of these things that he was apprehensive about. It changed many parts of that fight. Dustin did not know he could take Conor McGregor down. Most guys that fight Conor give up on the hope. They know, ah, it's a good place to put him. But nobody's been very effective with wrestling Conor McGregor. Nate Diaz wasn't overly effective with it. Chad Mendez wasn't overly effective. Chad got him down a couple times. Boo, Conor got right back up to his feet. Aside from Khabib, there's not really a fight that you can turn to where Conor's had this big wrestling disadvantage. I mean, I'll tell you right now, Eddie Alvarez, Conor McGregor, go shake hands on a wrestling mat. 
Eddie's going to make him look silly. Eddie didn't even get within range of a takedown. I only share this with you because that's another thing that Dustin Poirier is going to come away with. Not only can I deal with his left hand, I can take the son bitch down. Yes, you're right. There's reasons that Connor did not have his ideal performance. That's true. And he's going to look a lot better in part three. So is Dustin Poirier. The curators at Bespoke Post have done it again this winter with an all-new lineup of essential box of awesome collections. Guys, guaranteed, this is going to upgrade your life. I recently got into the filet box of awesome. It's knives, and I must tell you, I didn't even know I needed them until I received them. Guys, these are so sharp. While adding a sleek style to my kitchen. Whether it's showcase piece to level up your indoor hosting skills or cozy threads for those blustery days, Bespoke Post only sends guys the best stuff every month. No matter what you're into, Box of Awesome has you covered. From style and grooming goods to barware, cooking tools, and outdoor gear, Box of Awesome has collections for every part of your life. I have my eye on the weekender. That bag looks functional and stylish in the most manly possible way. To get started, take the quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right box of awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories. It's free to sign up and you can skip a month or cancel at any time. Each box costs $45, but has over $70 worth of gear inside. To get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com, enter the promo code CHAIL at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com, promo code CHAIL for 20% off your first box. Tony Ferguson has started training at the Wildcard Gym with Freddie Roach. And I'll tell you, I mean, more times than not, when an established athlete changes coaches, it doesn't go well. It just doesn't go well. I love this news. In this case, I loved this news because one thing that Tony hasn't been doing, and this is according to Tony, is having a coach. He's made a big deal about that along the way. I've heard him at multiple press conferences say, hey, I don't have a coach. I train myself. I am in charge of my own camps. And Tony is so self-disciplined and works so damn hard, it took him as far as it took him. But, and there is a but, everybody needs a coach. All the greats have a Tiger has a coach. LeBron has a coach. Mayweather has a coach. Serena has a coach. Simone Biles has a coach. Jordan's got a coach. I mean, everybody has a coach. So I was very happy to see that Tony did do that. Not to mention, I know he's working his ass off. Now, hard work has never been something that's difficult for Tony Ferguson. That's just part of the deal. It's just the way he lives his life. It's just his habits and what he's used to doing. But I know how hard they work over at the wild card. And Tony's going in there, and Tony does not appear to me to be a guy who needs to work on his boxing. I don't remember a time that I've seen Tony get outboxed over the course of a night, but Tony is one of those guys who does get hit a lot. It takes him a minute to start seeing things and start slipping. So if that's one of the things he's working on with Freddie, just by example, but if he is working on some of that head movement, maybe absorbing a little bit less damage, that sounds great. 
I know he's working hard. I know he's moving his feet. I know he's throwing punches and bunches. I, I just know those things. I, and Tony, who doesn't really have cardio issues, but that's something you still have to observe. The guy that never has cardio issues doesn't have cardio issues because he works on his cardio. Just by example, just to tell you some of the things that I know they're working on over there. And Freddie Roach has a very good understanding of boxing for MMA, which is not a compliment you can give to a lot of boxing coaches. But Freddie Roach, through working with George St. Pierre, by example... Brennan Shaw, by example, and Freddie's even cornered guys. I've seen Freddie at Affliction shows cornering athletes. I'm trying to recall who off the top of my head, but Freddie Roach goes back a long way in the world of boxing and in the way that that translates to mixed martial arts. It's rare. It's very rare that you get one of those top guys that's open to that. It's one of the things that Clayton Hires did on day one. On day one, he came in and realized this isn't boxing. It's another sport where boxing is used. And so that's why Clayton was able to go and work with so many MMA guys. But he does not, he does not teach it. He doesn't teach a stance. He doesn't teach how to hold your hands. He doesn't teach the shoulder block, standing sideways. He doesn't teach any of that traditional stuff. He teaches boxing from an MMA stance with a knowingness that that's not the only weapon, a left hand and a right hand, that you're going to have to deal with. I bring that to you because from what I've observed from Freddie Roach, he understands that to a degree that is much higher than your average. I like that like Tony's in the spot. That's my message. I liked it. I thought, this is great. I haven't seen Tony be outboxed. That was the only part that was a little bit of a surprise. Even if you go watch the Charles Oliveira uh, fight, it was surprising that Tony was the one taken down. That was a surprise because we don't see Tony get out wrestled or outboxed most times. Okay, great. One guy after all these years found out how to exploit one of those things, but Tony chose to go work on his boxing. He chose to do it with Freddie Roach. I am excited to see. I'm excited to see where this goes. I want to move on from the lightweights and talk about a guy who, of course, used to fight at lightweight, and that's Max Holloway. You know, that's a hard booking. That's a very complicated booking for me. If I had the job of finding Max's next opponent, I'm in a hard spot. I realize you could default to the obvious, which is let's keep him out, let's have him do nothing, and he just takes on the winner of Volkanovski versus Ortega. I realize that that makes sense and that, okay, everything's fine if you were to choose to do that. I'm saying in light of that, And I never know that that's a good bet, man. I never know when that's a good bet. If Volkanovski goes out there and beats Ortega, then you're putting Max in a fight with a guy who's already beat him twice, at least according to the six judges in total that that were combined. It sure wasn't how I had it, but you, okay. We're going to go into a trilogy fight when these guys didn't split? I don't know. What happens if Max wins? We go, well, I mean, he should have won the whole time or no. Then you got to give Volkanovski the opportunity. What happens if Volkanovski loses that one too? Now they're two apiece. Do we go into the fifth fight? I mean, it's one of these things. I don't feel that that's an ideal answer. That's an ideal matchup. I don't feel that that's an ideal answer. And what if Ortega beats Volkanovski? We've already seen Ortega versus Max. So it's, it's one of these spots that even though that does seem as though, particularly if you were observing the rankings, and particularly if you come from the standpoint that I came, which is Max never should have been, that belt never should have come off Max's waist in the first place. Not once, but twice. Never should have. I thought he won both of those fights. I don't choose to revisit that, 
I choose to ask, should Max wait to revisit that? Oh, by the way, what happened if something happens with Ortega Volkanovsky that, that is so through the roof, it's like Figueredo and Moreno, and Dana goes, whoa, we got to run this one back. Then what do you do with Max, who you've already kept on ice? So I'm choosing to come at this from the perspective that Max is not going to sit out, not be the number one contender. What do you do with him? And 145 pounds has two great options right now. Great ones. It's got three in total, but that's if you include your ear. But your ear got put out. Something happened, a whereabouts. Something happened with USADA, and he's out. He's in red tape for like nine more months. Okay, fine. Take him out of it, because that would be great. Max versus your would be great. You got Zabit in the mix somewhere. Zabita very clearly doesn't want to fight Max for me. So maybe we got to take Zabita out. And, but I think you've got the zombie. I don't think that fight's going anywhere. And I don't think just because zombie got beat by Ortega that we just throw our hands up and go to hell with it. That's a fight. Makes a high level of sense with two high level ranked guys who can both go out there and defend themselves. If Max looking to be busy. And then you have the outside option. And the outside option is to go back and revisit the precedence that was beginning to be set with Max and 155 pounds. Does Max go insert himself in some kind of a Dustin, in some kind of a Connor? I mean, it seems as though this would be a very good time. If Max is looking for something to do and he wants to stay busy and he needs a motivation, if those things are true, he needs a motivation to get in the gym and train, call up Dana and say, Dana, I would like to be the backup fighter. I will do everything right. I will train. I will be prepared. I will fly to Fight Island. I will get on the scale. I will be in compliance with the commission. If anything happens to Dustin or Connor, I'm going in. That would be a good way to find something to do in the, in the meantime. And Max, if you guys will recall, was so busy. Was it 2019 when Max had like four title fights? So we could be in a different spot where Max is going, whoa, Chael, quit talking. I'm looking forward to this break. I am motivated to have my, quit trying to take my break away from me. Okay, option number five. Perhaps that one has to also be considered, but I think when you're looking at Max and you're looking at this level of domination, Max is now hurting people. Max is now beating people up. He's not just winning fights. Max is hurting people. It has to be an appropriate matchup with somebody who can take care of themselves for up to 25 minutes, right? I mean, you see where it starts to be a little bit problematic when you are revealed just how good a guy is, which is where taking him out of the weight class all of a sudden starts to look a little bit better. I think you combine the two. If I'm Max, or if I was in Max's spot, I would call Dane and say, I want to be the backup fighter. I'm going to go to training camp. I'm going to prepare for that. If anything happens, I'm stepping in. Oh, by the way, when I'm done, I'm going to come right back to my number one contendership at 145. We got a deal? close out today's show, I want to talk to you about something all of you guys are dying to know. What happens if Jake Paul beats Ben Askren in terms of does the conversation with Paul change? Yes, instantly. Instantly. Paul has, in my estimation, no chance of beating Ben Askren, right? Which, of course, is a very loose note. There's always a chance. That would stun me. 
you're taking a world-class athlete in Ben Askren, that would stun me. I mean, competition is just competition. Many people believe that Paul has better hands. They don't know what they're talking about or what they're looking at. But let's say that it was true. That's not what this boxing match is about. It is not the person with the better hands or the better boxing that's going to win the boxing match. It's a competition. Who's going to compete better? One of these things that's a little bit hard to see or to understand, unless you felt those guys, unless you've just felt some competitors that can just go in and compete. It could be a game of pickup basketball. But if you're dealing with a competitor who knows how to compete, it's just a different thing. Set that aside. Let's take a quick look at that. If Paul was to beat Askren, this conversation changes. I don't know the likelihood of Paul being able to get in the ring and do this boxing thing with top-named Bellator UFC guys. I don't know. I think it's very unlikely. Paul was talking about boxing with Dylan Dennis or talking about boxing with Conor McGregor. It's very unlikely that Scott Coker allows that to happen or Dana White allows that to happen. Unlikely. Strong uh, language is all used. If he beats Askren, that's, everything's going to change. Now it's like, okay, we have to bring in somebody better. We have to bring in another guy. Or athletes are going to feel like that. Hey, I got to go get that back for our spot. I mean, it's just, it's going to change. And it would be very interesting. Paul would spring himself right into legitimacy. That's for sure. All right. He would spring himself into legitimacy if he beat Ben Askren. And there'll, and there'll be what's called the haters that want to dismiss it. Go, well, ben, Ben's not a boxer. Ben's a competitor. This is a competition. Ben's a fighter. This is a fight. Yes, it matters. Period. Period. It will change everything if Paul gets the jump on Ben. 100%. In terms of the legitimacy, but also in terms of who's willing to come out and do this work. The community will band together in, in some realm and want to get that one back. The question is who? Who are they going to send? But it is a very interesting conversation that I am hearing people have now. First off, that where people are saying that Paul has better hands than Ben. What are you basing that on? You're, you're wrong, but I can't stop you from having that wrong opinion. Most people don't know what it is they're looking at when it comes to the sport. I will remind you that's not who's going to win. That isn't the way that this gets done. You will bring in dirty, grimy competitors into any form of combat. Amateur wrestling, submission grappling, boxing, kickboxing, MMA, any form of combat against somebody much more experienced. And we see this in grappling all the time. You'll have a, you'll have a black belt but you bring in a competitor, it's a totally another, it's a totally another thing. I can think of a great match. It'd be a fine example, but it was Jacques Array, world champion, I believe Abu Dhabi champion in Jacques Array, but world grappling champion. He was going to take on a guy who had never put on a gi, and they were going to do it under grappling rules. He's going to take on a guy who had never grappled before. The world champion, going to take on a guy who had never done it before. That guy's name... Randy Couture. And they decided to set a clock for 20 minutes. Jacare can't finish him in 20 minutes. If, if nobody can finish the other guy in 20 minutes, we'll all go home. Well, they all went home. There was no finish. 
And if you watch the match, there, there wasn't a question in who was better at that sport and that skill set. It was very clearly Jacare. But there also wasn't a, a question of who the more gritty and savvy competitor was. And that was Randy. And you'll see this, I see it all the time. When Mark Kerr ran through Abu Dhabi with no belt, taking out nothing but black belts along the way and tapping some of them out. Then goes into the absolute wins that too. By example, but he was an NCAA wrestling champion. He knew how to compete. Didn't matter if he didn't know what a heel hook was. Didn't matter if he knew what a knee bar was. He knew how to compete. He knew how to go hard. He knew how to maintain position. He knew that at some point, it's not going to be about technique. I'm going to make you quit. And that's what a competitor does. So we can continue to have the false conversation of whose hands are better and give that to Paul. We can continue to have that. But when you lose your money on fight night, it's because you're not understanding. One of them is focused on boxing. The other is focused on competing. And you're always better to bet on the competitor. All right, guys, that's it for today's show. If you like the show, please do me a favor and head to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review of the show. It really helps. I'm headed back home. Enjoy the fights this weekend, and I will be back on Wednesday. But until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.